where the code ends, the content begins and the partnership strategy and the partnership content strategy begins. And so that's where all the different things come into play into my world. We have an active person managing the relationship, managing the motions, understanding the copy, understanding the better together story, going to market together, helping work with the teams, figuring out how to get that message into the other company's sales, marketing, support teams, and really getting a deep understanding, actually building an internal audience. If you think about it that way, it's still all about all about audio is partner marketers and partner managers are all about capturing and building audience mindshare and brand around the outputs and outcomes that your integration, your product feature is able to produce. Welcome to Business Biome, the podcast that explores the interconnected world of business ecosystems, co-innovation and new forms of collaboration to jointly solve problems too complex to solve alone. My name is Nicholas and together with my guests, I dive deep into these fascinating concepts where corporates, startups, entrepreneurs and even individuals interact, collaborate and thrive together. We will uncover the secrets behind successful partnerships, explore the evolving dynamics of co-innovation and discover how businesses can harness the power of collective intelligence. Follow me and my great guests on this promising journey. So, hi and welcome everyone. This is Nicholas again, founder of Future Brains, and it's another round of podcast recording and I'm very excited to have uh, Justin Zimmerman this time here in, uh, on the podcast. He has a background in finance and controlling and marketing. He's the founder of the Partner Playbooks and I will provide the link in the description. He loves to build big audiences and communities around common challenges and goals through partner marketing. And we will talk about that today. And he answered the question, uh, what's the craziest thing he's ever done uh, in a very funny way, I would say. So uh, he said he started his own business, which was more exciting and terrifying than jumping out of an airplane, uh, which he has done. That's also something that I have on my list. So Justin... Welcome, and it's uh, great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been uh, a long time coming for us to get this going for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. But sometimes things need a little bit of time. So uh, yeah, let's let's start into uh, a couple of questions and a, and a really fruitful discussion today. Your LinkedIn headline states integrations, unequal partnerships. So let's start with that. Let's bring some light into what you mean by that yeah so uh, i have seen many companies uh, specifically in the tech space go build a bunch of integrations as product features uh, whether those product features were of uh, the demand from the customer base or it was more of a strategic move to enter into a customer base uh, regardless of which the output and outcome of those usually doesn't end up driving the level of adoption that a lot of companies think it's going to it's kind of like writing a book and putting it on the shelf and then expecting you know, the masses of people to know that your book is available at the bookstore in the same category of all the other diet books or all the other fitness books or all the other self-help books, you're another book in the space. And so just because you've developed the integration or product feature doesn't necessarily mean that there's traction and traffic 
that are coming to and through that adopting your product. And so in a, a number of different capacities and roles, the word partnership and the word integration integrations set the stage for partnerships oftentimes, but aren't on their own. And so uh, I like to differentiate the two between, you know, the technology, the API, the code, and then where the code ends, the content begins and the partnership strategy and the partnership content strategy begins. And so that's where all the different things come into play into my world. We have an active person managing the relationship, managing the motions, understanding the copy, understanding the better together story, going to market together, helping work with the teams, figuring out how to get that message into the other company's sales, marketing, support teams, and really getting a deep understanding, actually building an internal audience. If you think about it that way, it's still all about all about audience is partner marketers and partner managers are all about capturing and building audience mind share and brand around the outputs and outcomes that your integration your product feature uh, is able to produce wow i mean that's uh, that's awesome and uh, you i think you covered a whole life cycle within the past 30 seconds that where the tech portion is just part of it and i Looking back into the past 10 years of my uh, business experience, I I was into that. I saw that so many times that people talked about the tech and the integrations, but forgot about everything that you mentioned and did not also really put the client into the focus, nor the partners uh, themselves. So there was a big gap at the end and a lack of success. I mean, going from, from top to bottom ecosystem partnerships that that's a uh, th those are very broad uh, terms what's your definition of an of an ecosystem and which roles do partners play within it you know i've been asked this question a bunch of times and i hope i'm able to nail it the way i've nailed it before and so for me an ecosystem is the collection of implementers isvs agencies influencers uh communities facebook groups All the people that have an understanding and influence, so ecosystem is the influence sphere, and, and at the center of that influence sphere is that particular ICP, that particular customer with those particular use cases and pain points. And so the ecosystem is outside of that transaction layer that Jay McBain talks about, there is this node of people and communities that are in some way, shape or form, either directing the attention further into the conversion and adoption of a product service or feature and or helping make that product service or feature implemented and transacted upon. I like that uh, pretty much because you put the, the community and the involved entities also in into the focus. And I mean, Looking in, into the reports also from, I think, Crossbeam, Reveal, the partner hackers, everybody out there uh, talking about partnerships. So from your perspective, is it still possible to be or to remain successful without looking into partnerships and building up an own ecosystem or joining an ecosystem nowadays? Well, it's in some way, shape or form inevitable and slash, I would say you might be thinking that you're not in partnerships, but you actually are acting in partnerships. And so 
you know, from an ecosystem standpoint, it's kind of hard to build an all-in-one solution to be everything to everybody in a market. And so whether it's the Salesforce model, or the HubSpot model, you can look into the space and say, well, best of breed point solutions that plug into larger uh, overall systems and ecosystems tend to be from a technology and product standpoint, kind of the trend direction everybody's going in. So it'd be hard to kind of go create an all-in-one CRM on your own, right? Now, it would be hard to create other point solutions without plugging into the other tools and systems that other people are using already. So from an app perspective, um, if you're an agency and you're an implementer, well, you're probably going to have to work with multiple tools across multiple ecosystems. So like in that case, well, you are in the ecosystem partnership business. Um, if you're an influencer and you have an audience and people are coming to you and they're respecting how you say and what you do based on your methodology, well, you're probably going to be approached by, because that's part of the strategy that I've been working on, uh, tech companies who want you to talk about how their technology works with your methodology. And so you're part of an ecosystem, right? And so everywhere you look at it, whether you realize it or not, like a fish in water, whether you can feel it, uh, you're in an environment with people who are trying to make choices around outcomes they're trying to achieve in their business. And there's just going to be people, processes and products that help move those along. And so uh, whether you want to or not, you're in it. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of like, do you want how how, oh, how much strategy do you want to be a part of in building out how that works for you? Coming from the, the German market. <laughs> there are there are slightly uh, differences, I think, in in the pro approaches here. Yes, pe people and and companies and businesses they talk about partnerships, but I think there is way more and uh, much higher potential than companies nowadays realize or uh, work on. So there is a lot of not invented here syndrome, a lot of intransparency, a lot of, ah, uh, we can't share this and that with our partners. Plus, at the end, they don't put the customer into the focus. So they talk a lot about partnerships. They try to come up with partnerships. But what I'm missing many, many times is to really work back, backwards from the customers to really find out what the customer needs are and how to involve the partners. And are there any differences on the US market or on the, on the markets you are working on? Yeah, the US market tends to be a lot more transparent. The US partnership community, which is really what it is, because companies are influenced by the people who are in them. And some of those people are in higher level positions. And uh, in those higher level positions, they have the ear of executives. And there aren't as many partnership executives out there quite yet, but they're close. And as the we'll call it again coming back to the influence sphere the ecosystem within the partnership world as you mentioned the reveals the cross beams the partner hackers more and more people are paying attention to them more and more people are posting about them more and more of the u.s market is starting to adopt these practices and principles and as uh, a thought leader you know the american side of the partnership community is showing the rest of the world, here's how it gets done. Here's how we work together. Here's how we share information and data. Because of course, there's a natural fear that somebody's going to hack the system, steal your 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 customer database, or get a hold of some sort of feature that you were developing on your roadmap and turn it into theirs. And and, and there's those are always just going to be legitimate uh, concerns. But uh, the overall 
picture what you alluded to is coming back to the customer. At some point, the customer has needs, the customer has demands, and at some point, somebody is going to develop it for them. And either you're going to build, you're going to buy, or you're going to partner. And depending on how your competitive landscape works and your resources against that competitive landscape works, you've got to make a decision, which of those three are you going to put first for the benefit of the customer? Because ultimately we know customer demand wins and the company with the best solution or the best ecosystem of solutions is going to attract the deepest, largest, and most profitable audiences. Yeah, ab absolutely. And that reminds me of, of a discussion I uh, just had uh, some some weeks ago where I was talking to a potential partner and uh, there is a customer problem on, on the table that we try to solve. So I was looking for a partner. And the initial question was, who's the leading system? Who's the leading company at the end? And I I was very, very direct and transparent on that. And I was like, I don't care. I want to solve the problem. And at the end, whether you provide the leading system and we integrate into your system or vice versa, I don't care because I want to solve the problem. And either way, if it solves the client's problem, I'm happy with it. And there's nothing bad about, I, I would say, to integrate into somebody else's ecosystem by solving a customer problem at the same time. Yeah, because if you don't have the solution, they're gonna it's gonna be an unmet need. And like any unmet, any unmet human need, whether it's a business or personal need, there is an internal drive to solve for that. And so either they're going to go find it in your tech stack or your solution stack, or they're going to go find it or build it somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Time, timing and, and time and addressing the needs quickly. I think that's an, an, an important point and some metric that's of importance. So a client doesn't want to wait for six or 12 months that a certain need will be solved, but it has to be solved pretty quickly. One thing that I haven't covered so far in the podcast is partner marketing approaches. And uh, I mean, what, what I see many, many times is the well-known logo wall approaches. We are partnering with 30 partners, 30 uh, other companies But you can't really find out what's in it for me as a customer, what's really the, the, the value of these partnerships um, are. So what's from your perspective in partner marketing and, and which approaches are out there nowadays? Yeah, so there are really two distinct versions of partner marketing. There's the partner marketing that is partner to partner, trying to attract partners trying to enable partners and trying to onboard partners. And so it's partner marketing for the sake of partner acquisition, the same way that you would go through the motion of customer acquisition, it's partner acquisition. And so that's one form. And then there's partner marketing where it's partner with partner, not partner to partner, but partner with partner to customer to then get them as a joint solution of some sorts. The awareness, the attention, the trust, and then eventually the conversion of those joint customers or those joint audiences is really what you're looking at into uh, an outcome that creates a customer for either one or both. I mean, there, there are different approaches and uh, we had a quick chat on that before uh, we started with, with the recording. So there is channel led marketing, there is affiliate marketing, sales led marketing, integration led marketing, you name it. From your perspective, what's the 
problem or the challenges with um, these kinds of approaches from your point of view? Well, I can understand why they exist as distinct separate silos and, you know, as their own, if you want to call it channels. But one of the challenges is that a lot of those have overlap into the same audience base and that you have, I would say, almost duplicate overlap with those common approaches. And so tech partnerships only really focus on how these two systems work together and how it's a it's a better together story there. But they're talking to the same audience as the affiliate team is looking to attract, because if you're. If your company's product has an ICP, then your partnership program has an ICP. And if that ICP uh, has, I would say, bifurcated, trifurcated, split approaches and lanes on how they go to market, they're trying to talk to the same audience in different ways where for the benefit of the customer or the audience, it, it doesn't give them a clear vision around how your solution or your company can help their business because of all these different channels. So that's why you call your approach ecosystem-led marketing. And I get the point to link all the different aspects and to have a combined image and understanding and an integrated understanding. The example is it all comes down to customer and use case. And so if you're trying to, if you've got customers and they have use cases, but you've got the affiliate team doing one thing, you've got the channel team doing another thing, you've got the the tech team doing another thing. Are they telling the same story and presenting the same use cases, sharing the same success stories, solving the same problems, addressing the same problems, right? And so when you have that those multiple lanes, you might be going to market with a fractured message that could be a more aligned message. And so maybe those channels like should exist as separate silos, but the source of what goes to and through them might be uh, of benefit to have a singular person, the chief storyteller, the chief, uh, I don't want to make up any of these weird C, but, you, but it's really to make the point is that if, if there is a, a common point that these channel leaders go to or collaborate across that shares that go to market story. And maybe that's what it's called, the go to market story that they all take a piece of and they're all working from, then you can have a branded impact across each one of those different parts of the market. Because realistically, you do need like a leader to understand each one of the distinct aspects of how each one of those works, because affiliate does work different than channel and tech integrations does work different than uh, uh, affiliate marketing, right? And so the nuances and how you speak to an interface and like the KPIs and how those things are measured and interfaced with are different, but the story that's told through them and the content that should be delivered and how your product helps in, in the end, those same markets, because in the end, the, uh, the the end customers are hearing the affiliates and they're hearing the influencers. You know, they're going to the, the channel agency who's talking about which products to help set up and integrate with. You know, the integration team and the the the, the sales reps at the other tech partner are talking about the, the solutions in common, right? And so they're, in the end, the customer's seeing all these different. And so why not help orchestrate those endpoints with a similar story, even though you've got distinct channels? Yeah, it's it's so funny because I just had a, a discussion around that before our chat right now, where um, that person said, "I'm I'm so sick of talking about partnerships and not about use cases and a, a value proposition for our customers. It's it's so much discussions 
left and right without being down to the point what's really in it for uh, a customer plus what's also in it for a partner the the orchestrator of the ecosystem and the partner can can jointly work on so i i get your point with the uh, ecosystem-led marketing to really have a single channel and a single story however you call that role or person that's working on that <laughs> yeah i think i think zapier is probably the purest play version if there ever was an integration is a partnership there's probably a few of them out there uh and if you really look at when it comes to zapier they're pure use case right they're if you and they have a you know a fantastic ecosystem of experts and you know their marketing is very clear on who they are and what they do and so you know i i think when i think of use case and tech partnerships uh there is no better example than if you want to solve a problem in someone's business which is what all these tools and 5000 10000 you know whatever that number is of you know the martech map from uh uh scott brinker all those apps exist to solve problems. They don't exist to be fancy logos on a page. They don't exist to be conversations like about how great it would be to, you know, um, be in partnerships with others. It's about solving problems. Each one of those companies was founded based on, at least hopefully, we know this area of the market has these pain points and problems. We've established this solution. How can this solution work with that solution? For me, that's like as, as simple as it is. And so if you are the solution creator in the sense of the tech partnership, that's a great example for tech to tech on how they work. If you're an implementer in the agency space or uh, a reseller of a product, and you could take, and in fact, actually, I have services that I help companies with where I'll take a HubSpot instance and like three or four zaps, bundle them together, essentially reselling them for those companies. Uh, if I had an affiliate agreement with them, I'm sure I, you could call me like, you know, a, an affiliate reseller. But like, that's kind of the, the, that's the ecosystem model right there is if you look at what Zapier can do for, uh, as an example of all the opportunities and all, I would say the use cases and uh, form factors of partnerships, you, you can find it all within them. Yeah, I, I love the example uh, because I I started to heavily use uh, Zapier and I can fully agree with you that looking into the use cases and also looking into their examples where I many times was like, gosh, I, I, I didn't think about that case combining these tools in order to achieve the use case that I already had in mind. And I, I like that approach because technology is then in the background and really the problem to solve is in the foreground. And sticking to your example, I mean, you just had uh, the webinar with 650, more than 650 attendees around Pipedrive, Sapir, Air, Air Call, your client Woodpecker and an implementer What's happening here? What what was what was it about? And can you share a little bit of, of your experiences? Yeah, sure. So um, I help small to medium-sized SaaS companies find and align partners who they can go to market with and drive big webinar attendance that leads to lots of brand awareness, leads and sales afterwards. And so it sounds like a simple process, but when you actually try to go do it, uh, that's when the people call me up like, okay, okay, we get it. Um, so in this particular case, one of my clients, they are a, we'll call it a sales automation tool. So if you can imagine cold outbound SDRs, AEs, you know, the whole uh, predictable revenue model of, of growth that a lot of companies employ. So this is one of the tools. 
and uh, their use case and their user base is hungry for, and here comes the, the answer, customers want to know what do I say, what do I do, how do I use your product, what are the use cases in which I can arrange, arrange this step, this step, this step, and this step, at what points and period in the time of that sequence to get the best results. And so customers aren't buying tech tools because they want to have some sort of fancy workflow that looks cool, you know, cool, clean and slick. What they want is the results of that workflow and they want to know what to say and what to do within that workflow. And so in this particular use case, um, I helped combine uh, this company. They set up an integration with AirCall. So you need dialing for phone, for cold calling. You need emails for outreach, uh, a text messaging program to follow up with people after the call. And so you build the ultimate tech stack. But what really lit it on fire wasn't the fact that we had these great tools, because what I realized is you'll get a mediocre response from the market around here. Here's how our tools work together. What really adds the fuel to the fire was uh, I was able to create a deal with an influencer in the space who had sales cadences, who had an approach. I call it methodology meets technology. And so instead of putting the technology as the hero, as the thing that happens first, I found, I call it the Michael Jordan model. I found the person who's slam dunking, who's wearing the Nikes, who's got the jersey, who's got all the bling, and everybody's watching him do this great stuff, <laughs> wearing, if you think about it, wearing the technology as the solution, but people are saying, wow, I want to be like Mike. And so I think there's a psychological principle here that when people showed up for just the tech to tech partners, we would get 300, close to maybe 400 you know, but as soon as we added this one layer to it, where like the, the Michael Jordan model, and, and I'm pretty sure we would hit a thousand. There was a couple pieces missing and just ran out of time to do. I'm pretty certain like this would have been a thousand person webinar because we took his sales cadences. We mapped them into the existing product, even though they weren't part of the original product, like he didn't necessarily use these tools, but his use case mapped to these tools. And then we showed the audience, here's how this methodology, step one, say this here, put this in this. And with the screenshots and all in there, we just walked through almost a product marketing story told by Michael Jordan of this particular niche. And so from there, like nothing I've ever seen has worked better than that is methodology from Michael Jordan with technology of best of breed apps in your micro ecosystem. You put it together with a real, and the most important thing is what's the title? Who's the person? What's the title? Not the tech, not the tools. Title and person, not tech, not tools. Put those two things first and then the rest will follow. Awesome. I, I really have to digest that. And I took some, I had to take some notes in parallel because I have to think about that after the recording because uh, when I when I look into the webinar space or uh, yeah talking about partnerships and, and setting up something with them, you see 20, 30 people maybe attending there. And let's be honest, if you have a couple of webinars in, in the same market, it's the same 20 or 30 people showing up each and every time. So I, I think the number that you achieved is really something that it's cool goal and it's really something people should think about how to achieve these numbers and no longer sticking to that little number of, of attendees i mean talking about how you started with that what's the the first steps that you suggest to look into to start with 
ecosystem-led marketing or with uh, starting with pulling Michael Jordan to stick to that example as well as the partners into a webinar and then being very transparent and telling the story where, where to start and where to end. Yeah. Well, first, just a big, big picture on things is webinar or event-led growth and community-led growth are going to be synonymous and they are going to be the future because as chat GTP can write better, faster than everybody else, people <laughs> are still going to be hungry for, I want original ideas, I want human connection, and I want to hear and see from people who are on the leading edge. And webinars and events are going to be the last bastion of where people can get that level of information and connection. And so like the future is event and community-led growth. So first of all, like if you're not already thinking about adding or having something like this as part of your marketing go-to-market motions your ecosystem-led growth um for me that that might be like one of the best vehicles of ecosystem-led growth uh, in addition to uh, some of the, the tech stuff i'll leave off the off the plate um the steps to getting there uh you might not be in a position yet to like go find influencers negotiate with them and learn how to bring them into your world and so that's okay. Um, I understand that. That's kind of a specific skill set that people hire me for. I get it. it. Took me years to really understand how to do that. In fact, I'm actually one of those people on the other side. So I am somewhat of an influencer. So I know how to work with influencers. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird to say I'm an influencer, but I, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so where where would you start if you wanted to do this? So the next best thing is maybe your hero, and this is a very easy place to look, is in your customer database, is already existing internal customer influencer. Uh, I don't know if you can see it here, but behind me, there's a team. I know the window here has this thing that cuts it off, but um, my, uh, my, my first and best, I would say so far, go-to-market team I've built uh, was was hinged around finding what we called, and it's it's a funny word, but it's a statistical word, is the deviance. We want to find the deviance and the standard deviation of customers who are outside the average and excelling beyond belief with our systems and tools. And so I would I put into place systems and tools to find those people because really there's two criteria that you can use. In, if you have a product and it's successful and people are getting results with it, there's more, there's a good chance that you have people who have uh, outstanding adaptations, outstanding innovations, using other tech tools in the process with your tech tools, and and a willingness to be vocal, articulate, and charismatic about it. And so those are a couple of things that you're looking for. Now, they may not be influencers on the LinkedIn stage, but they could be influencers in your own customer base. And what you want to do is you want to find those people and you can bring them out of the woodwork and work on that same approach I talked about. How are they mapping their methodology to your technology? How are they using potential partners or existing partners with your product? And then that becomes, again, that's the basis of what people look for is people are buying and trying and using and sticking and staying with products, not because the tech to tech companies are telling them the marketing teams in those companies are saying, this is the right use case for you, but you've got the little mini Michael Jordans, the superstars in the roles, in the trenches, actually doing the work in the role and trying to solve this. And so that's what people want to hear from. That's where that's where the influence comes from. Influence comes from action and results of people who actually have done the work, doing the work, not from the marketing teams, not from, you know, the tech teams building the stuff. They want the people who are using the stuff and getting results. And those are the people that you put on the front lines and adapt either their copy and content into yours, or you put them on the stage and work, work with them to position how to best use the use cases around your products and your partner's products. That rings a bell 
a little bit. I mean, as you know, I'm dealing a lot with uh, platform business models or in general network-based business models. And there are two strategies for launching a platform um, that are quite common because you have the chicken, chicken and egg problem uh, without consumers on the platform for producers. It's not of interest to join and vice versa. So it's a similar example. And what you... Uh, find in the market are two strategies. That is the, the marquee strategy. So find one big company or a well-known company to join the platform so that everybody else says, hey, when they join, that must be a success and they see the success already or the follow the rabbit strategy, which for example, uh, Intel and Microsoft have been doing a lot in the past. Intel coming up with a new processor um, talking about a new use case, bringing Microsoft with Windows in there, telling a cool story and everybody else was like, okay, if Microsoft is jumping onto the new pre processor strategy, kind of everybody else should also. So I, I like the approach and to not only talk about tech, but really to bring somebody in that that, that is well-known or that has a, a certain name or a position in, in the market that can really speak for the value and, and for the partnerships at the end. I'd also say I've, I've created influencers out of my customers before. And so they don't already have to be like vocal and well-known. But if you've got an eye for talent and that's kind of part of it, it's like, wow, that person's outstanding. Like we know outstanding when we hear and see outstanding. <laughs> Look for outstanding. Like that's the same word. Deviant mm -hmm. is the statistical word for outstanding. Who's outstanding in your customer base? Go find them. Go work with them. I call it the, the customer content community or committee. I forgot what the exact word was. And I just try to find the top 10 or 15 people doing these cool things and have almost like a regular meeting. What's going on, guys? What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you using? These people will be your friends. These people will come to your Christmas party if you invited them, you know, from a business standpoint. Uh, these are people who are more than customers. These are people who are I, you know, I, I, I want to call them friends, but that's kind of the outcome is you want to create these, this friendship circle with your top customers in which they're willing to exchange great information, show up on your shows, give insight and feedback to your product, to your content. Like, cause that's the thing is, and, and this goes back to the very beginning of our conversation around those different bifurcated, trifurcated channels I talked about is that we treat everything in silo, but at the end on the other side of, of those, of those channels is the same customer base. Well, let's look internally. And we have another version of that and say, is that uh, these customers, they are on the on the same thing they're uh, on the, the the internal side of the of the conversation is well we have our product team and we have a beta tester group for just product or we have our you know our customer success team and you know just who they're talking to and then we have our marketing team and who they're interviewing for case studies and so like but like they're all going to the same group of people and so why not create and form just a singular group of people who are Seeing your product, you're seeing your product because you're in that line of business through this lens and this lens and this lens, but the customer does not see it that way. The customer sees everything. And so why not bring people in from a holistic point of view to tell you what's right with the tech, what's right with the this, what's right with the that, what are they hearing in the market? What's the competitor saying? What's the community, right? They're your eyes and ears. And like, for me, that is the basis of this superstar group of people in which you can build a very meaningful go-to-market motion and like I said, those little mini Michael Jordans that are willing to get on stage, 
get in front of the camera and go to work with you for the benefit because then they get the benefits of the outcomes as well because they get cool upgrades and sometimes like little uh, <laughs> discounts and, and stuff like that. But yeah, that for me, it just always comes back down to the customer and the community of customers that they're in and how can you break down the silos so that way you have a common understanding of what the market wants and needs, whether it's your product or a partner's product. And that way you can, uh, short of it is, he who is closest to best ICP customer and what their needs and pain points are will win. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. But th there is one more thing that I often realize, but maybe that's also something that, that I see here on, on the market or, or in Europe. In many cases, I am asked to not talk about a certain case. And I'm like, hey, I can do a LinkedIn post. I can uh, spread the word. I can talk about a partnership, yada, yada, yada. And then I'm like pushed back. No, this has to go through marketing and we need to shape that case and the wording and are not allowed to share too much of information. And I'm like, why not spreading the word? I mean, tell your um, employees to talk about it. T uh, tell your partners to talk about it. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even for the most creative and open-minded culturally aligned companies to marketing and partnerships and i would call it the open sourcing of ideas as even as close as there's they're just still like the brand style guideline and there's still the hey you know like i'm that's my job that's my role and you know the we don't use that word because this is just part of our our style guide and uh you know we're not quite sure you know if this is you know, something we should be releasing and talking about because the competitors might, you know, hear and see it and take action on it. And so that's just going to be part of the game. And the game is to, and and this is the, and, and that's the challenge in partnerships and the things that we're talking about is you got to be a change agent. You got to do things. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is good advice or bad advice, but I tend to lean towards <laughs> ask for forgiveness over permission. Yeah. And then you can then see where the line is versus like waiting for people to say, well, here's the line. And like, well, maybe that's actually not the line. So let's, let's go over the, where you think the line is. And then let's, let's work our way back. Cause uh, you know, if you're not trading, if you're not sharing trade secrets, You know, I think we, I, I worked at a great company a while ago and we had a, a core value called good judgment and you were allowed to take action off of good judgment. Um, we hired people who we thought had good judgment, who acted with good judgment. And if something crossed the line and you were like, well, I think I was acting in good judgment, you could lean on that uh, fairly to say I was acting in the best interest of the company and the customers. And I was leaning on good judgment. Now, of course, you know, it doesn't like absolve you and give you immunity for, for things. But for me, I think that's a good human principle, like working as a group of people. We've got our baseline of what we say, what we do, our operating procedures and all that stuff, our legal environment, our regulatory environment, like that all goes into what good judgment is. And so if you hire people and you, and you do the, that process correctly, then go with good judgment. Awesome. I, uh, I love that. And I think it's a, it's a good point to really stop here because there is a lot to, to digest and to think about um, what we were just talking about. So, Justin, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot for being very transparent, very open, sharing a lot of experience, a lot of insights with, uh, with me and the audience. 
And uh, I would love to jump on another uh, recording and session with you. I think there is a lot more we, we could talk about. And yeah, we will catch up soon. 